This episode of Hey Teens is brought to you by Punch Cards. If you're looking to give a greeting card to a friend or family member, but you're tired of the dumb ones at the store, why not give them a beautifully handcrafted card with a message that is sure to spark a double take? Valentine's Day is just around the corner and Punch Cards has the perfect card to get you mega laid. Like this one. I want this Valentine's Day to be extra super duper memorable. That's why I plan on ditching our safe word. So check out punchcards.etsy.com and stock up on greeting cards for all occasions. Teens. Hey, teens. <laughs> How you doing, Eric? Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm just uh, covered in sweat and dust because I've been moving this weekend. And uh, you, even if you keep a really clean house, when, as soon as you move something, you just you see like the ring of dust. That dust is everywhere. You. It's everywhere, man. All right, that's our show. <laughs> Goodbye, Thanks for teens. Listening, everybody. <laughs> uh, so, hey, teens. What's new with you guys? Anyway, we'll, we'll wait and listen. <laughs> um, really, we we actually have a. a we always say that we have a special guest. Yeah, but I th- special. But I think that uh, this guest is a little bit uh, more special than some of the others because she is actually an expert on teens. She makes her money on teens in a way, and everybody. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we, we phrase that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, young I adult that author like- Rachel Cohen. Welcome to the show. And what? How would you describe what you do? Thank you. Um, I write books about teens, yeah. for teens, and for people who will always be teens in their hearts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we say that we're former teens, but you know what? We're all there's we're still a little bit in, in there. Yeah, there's always a little yeah. bit. So thanks for thanks for talking to us. It's my pleasure. This so is so cool exciting. It's our very first uh, young adult author, and we uh, we are, yeah we couldn't be more excited. And you may know uh, Rachel's work from Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. She has a brand new book uh, called Beta. It, and let me tell you, the first like 10 pages that I've read are really good. I'll read the rest of them. Uh-huh, sure. I will. To be I will. fair, John's just now learning how to read, so it took him about a uh, well, six I got, months to do Well, I just finished all those like Mr. Happy books, <laughs> and I got through about half of a Roald Dahl book, and then it's like, all right, I'm ready for young adult stuff. Well, now, I, I live so. in LA now, and one thing I've learned about here is that um, everybody kind of, if they've read the first 10 pages or just a 10-page outline, uh-huh. they can Consider themselves to have read the book, and that's, <laughs> and that's really fine. And I've actually come to accept that. And I'm going to start making my books just much shorter. Yeah, sure. You know? Just pamphlets, just power pamphlets. books. <laughs> we call them power novels. Power <laughs> novels. Just the facts. Yeah. Um, just release them one chapter at a time, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know people will just be like, "Great, the the 40th installment." Of, of this, this series is one of is the better in. ideas I've ever no, come up as a result, and, and thank you for that. <laughs> oh, I'll take the ten percent in All cash. Right. I can see uh, uh, this is nothing for the listeners, but I can see uh, glistening in the sunlight a single nip of Crystal Head vodka on, <laughs> on John's uh, uh, record player. That's why I didn't finish the book. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I could keep on reading, or I could just go for that sweet, sweet Crystal Head Dan Aykroyd vodka. <laughs> Um, so, so you just released this book, released a book. Is that what you say with a book? I think that is what yeah, you so. say. You released a book. Or, um, so beta has been out. How's that been going? It's fun. It, it's my first foray into anything that's more fantasy driven. Uh-huh. Um, I, I've typically in the past written more contemporary realistic books about hip snarky girls living in New York city who wear all black. And right. that wasn't mm. actually much of a stretch for me. Um, <laughs> and and uh, so this is the first time that uh, I set something in a uh, sort of more alternate universe, more mm, futuristic. Right. And also it's written uh, from the perspective of a girl who's a 16-year-old clone. Mm. And she has only just been born a few weeks ago. She has oh, no cool. knowledge or information whatsoever except the information that's on a chip that's installed to her. So it was a different voice for me to type try to write because Mm -hmm. she's not supposed to have a soul and she's not supposed to have emotions so what that means is that she really should not have judgments Mm -hmm. judgments are what make things hip and snarky Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) when you take that away from me uh, as a writer it was very challenging to try to reconfigure um, the whole way that I distill information. Right. So right, it was yeah. really challenging and really fun, but hard. Sure. Much harder than I expected. Was okay. it Was it your idea to do this this new genre? 
It was. Um, it wasn't like I was like, oh, I can't wait to try fantasy. Um, <laughs> it was more like I, I try to wait for the right idea to come to me. Right. I always had a sort of crush on trying to write something more fantastical. Right. But as a reader myself, I'm not very well read in that genre. And mm. I, I tend to be like, um, I like things like Star Trek or um, Battlestar Galactica, but I also will fast forward through all the technical information. I don't right, get right. it. Um, so I, I was trying to find something that would sort of match my voice and my capabilities, both as a writer and the kind of books that I would want to read. Mm-hmm. So I refer to this as being sort of sci-fi light. Um, which, which you sure. know, really is sci-fi light because what I've learned is that people who are really into sci-fi hate it being called sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. So what it is is kind of a contemporary, realistic um, take on the world with a little bit more of a fantastical setting, but not over the top. And well, those always seem to be my like personally my favorite kind of like sci-fi books or like something that's like yeah, lightly, lightly fantastical, but mostly it's just about you know the human emotion that goes into this with like. Like maybe one fantastic element about right. it. Right, that's what I was be... striving for. Well, yeah. then Eric, beta is the book yeah. For exactly. You. <laughs> I am going to. I am going to buy it as soon as I'm done with this. There's some uh, crystal vodka over there. Yeah, yeah. Good time yeah. this afternoon. It's a nice you, companion piece. I'll to make the you through the first ten pages. Pass out. <laughs> <laughs> And then sit on my stoop waiting for the guests. The first of you two to finish the book will win a major prize. Oh, I will. Ooh, I will. A major prize. I'll tell you what happens in book two. Oh, oh I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, guys. So, Rachel, where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland, which mm. is right outside Washington, D.C. Home of Discovery Communications. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As us TV people. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. And and how would you describe yourself as a teenager, as, as like a high schooler? What... What genre of teen were you? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like this really boring person who you couldn't really kind of label me. I, I mm-hmm. kind of hung out with a, with kind of fringe elements of every group. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really found my own. It's the most common um, thing that we hear. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's true, though. I mean, I definitely felt that identified yeah, that way. For yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was kind of, it was the... 80s and I was kind of into new wave so oh, nice. and into Prince nice. um, so you know I had the angular haircut and <laughs> I liked oh, to and I grew up right outside amazing. DC which had a great punk scene new wave scene yeah, there at the absolutely. time so we're very into and they also had great go-go music if you're familiar with mm-hmm. that genre you know um, I only am from a like a George Pelicanos novel and <laughs> the best he's I, and, and he, he yeah. always talks about go-go music and I'm like what the fuck is go-go music i've never heard of it before it's amazing you should listen to it sometime i mean some of the best ones you'd listen to would be like chuck brown and soul okay. searchers amazing stuff um experience unlimited also known as eu okay rare essence uh trouble funk uh some really great music is uh, everybody at home taking there. notes yeah, yeah. No, I, it's I sort actually, of yeah, like I'm if the... you think about like a new orleans three-quarter time and it has, mm-hmm. it's like uh-huh. you, you hear it and you immediately know these musicians are from new orleans it's such a distinct sound right. that portrays the city in such a certain way that's the sort of go-go music is it's kind of a marriage of funk and a little bit of jazz improvisation and rap uh, the very early stages of it nice that sounds awesome um so that but i was very into into that that kind of stuff growing up yeah um and uh how was how was uh i'm always fascinated with high schools in the 80s because i only know them from movies Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and 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 what i know from movies is that nerds got stuffed in lockers (laughs) or given swirlies i will say the john hughes movies are pretty accurate really really i mean molly ringwald same age as me and um a hero to everybody anyway but especially to somebody my age because Mm -hmm. she was the same age as us while these were happening it was actually pretty accurate really the john hughes ones but those characters are so well-rounded yeah um in those in that particular exam so i think that's why they remain true for so long yeah and uh when did you start writing or identifying yourself as a writer i wrote in high school actually my mother was a english professor Mm -hmm. and also a writer herself and uh, my father was a uh, bookseller so i was always encouraged with books and reading so you were a bookworm growing up i was um i mean i wasn't a huge bookworm but i Mm -hmm. was a bookworm Mm -hmm. i mean 
probably by mo- by most people's standards, I would be a bookworm. But when, in the standards of the rest of my family, who are right. huge right. bookworms, sure. yeah, yeah. I was kind right. of a sloth. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I was a total geek in the sense that, like, I spent my weekends at the library. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved to go to the library. No, and and and, <laughs> and one of the things I did, and this is this is one of my maybe my greatest legacy as a Washington D.C. teenager, is that my mother had been um, a Salinger scholar when I was uh-huh. a teenager, and she would let me go to the Library of Congress over the, on the weekends and do research for her. Huh. Now, p- most people have not been to the Library of yeah. Congress in Washington, D.C., so I'll give you a little bit of a visualization. Imagine like the Capitol building, this really grand, beautiful, incredible mm-hmm. um, building that has just everything that you could ever imagine is incredibly beautiful but also very austere Uh Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's mostly um, PhD students and and you know pretty fancy scholars going in there and then there was you know 15 year old Rachel Cohn who were with her angled hair and listening to her Prince songs and (laughs) and um and but what you have to do at the Library of Congress, you can't just show up there and be like, "I want a book." Right. right. You have to go at the time, and this was in the late '80s or mid '80s. You had to uh, get a, a card that showed what the 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 what the Dewey Decimal number of it mm-hmm. was, and then you had to bring it to a central reference desk, and then you had to. Uh, give them your desk number where you had set up camp. And oh, then oh. they, like an hour later, they would bring the book to you. Huh. So this the, being said, the one of the other reasons I love to go to the Library of Congress is that as a teenager, I was obsessed with old Hollywood movies. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, and some of my novels reference that. Like there's a character uh, yeah. named Sid Charisse in a book called Gingerbread mm-hmm. and two other books. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist is a mm-hmm. reference to the Thin Man movies of the 30s. So what I would like to do is I would go there to do the Salinger, find the Salinger mm-hmm. articles for my mother, but also I wanted to go read old Life magazines and Photoplay magazines. That's and such, so, a, such a great opportunity. It was, except yeah. here's, the, here's the catch, is that I didn't really think you know, conceptually the first time, one of the times that I went there, and I asked, I didn't conceptually think about how many books this would entail mm-hmm. when I put in my request. So I put in a request for Life magazine, I think it was 1940 to 1950. And about an hour later, oh, wow. a, an army they must have of hated you. staff came. Um, and they all had, they were all carrying carts and they had about 50 volumes. So that was bad enough. What was worse was when they got there and found a 15-year-old waiting for yeah, it. Right. Like, hey, I no idea. It's going to be yeah. many books. Oh, hi, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, they did not like me. So about a month later at my local, my high school library, which is Bethesda Chevy Chase High School, there was a sign that went up in the library that apparently went around to all the local high schools saying no high school students were allowed oh, in the no. Library of Congress oh, High school students banned from the Library of Congress. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that, that it directly directly referenced me uh, so that was my great legacy as a geeky teenager that is a much more intellectual uh, uh version of my story where i got radio banned from my uh, media class in high school how did you manage to do that <laughs> um because we were just a bunch of teenagers who had free reign of the radio station and we all got obsessed with Howard Stern at the same time. Oh, no. And we got threatened with expulsion because the only person listening to this radio show was a teacher's elderly mother awesome. from the nursing home. <laughs> Probably well, the I worst mean, demographic. Similarly, when they did bring all of those magazines out to uh, to Rachel, she did yell Baba Booey. Right, so. right, yeah. Well, the funny thing is Howard Stern got his uh, one of his early starts on the station that I listened to as a, a middle schooler, mm-hmm. uh, DC 101. And I remember I actually listened to him the first day that he was on the air. Because um, really? we had a very long drive to school uh, at that time. I think it was in seventh grade. And um, he, I mean, nobody was really doing anything, the, the kind of things, I mean, he did then. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody, it was just unheard of. Mm-hmm. And so he, I think what he did was he prank called the office of Vice President George W. Bush. <laughs> and, under, and I remember my aunt was driving me to work, to school that morning. We were like, oh my God, you can't do that. You mm-hmm. can't just prank call the vice president <laughs> um, and then of course we listened to him every day after that yeah, yeah, um, and incredible. we were we were huge rabid fans from that day early on. adopters yeah <laughs> now did you have anything growing up that you were uh specifically geeky about uh, other than um it was pretty much hollywood movies hollywood and prince movies, yeah. yeah and prince i don't know that that was so geeky. how did the so so your parents are both in the literary world how did movies come into play did they look down upon them, or mm, those are the the books for illiterate people? <laughs> well, you know, my, my parents were 
divorce. So my mother was like not that into it. I mean, she was always, she was great in the sense that she always encouraged any kind of creative pursuit that That's I had. Right. Okay. Um, but she definitely was like, I'd much rather you be reading Tolstoy. Sure. Uh, and, and sort of my, my, my way of, uh, my high school rebellion was to like read Harlequin romances like literally in her face. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> as that, that was like my form. My father was a, a very different kind of character and, and my mother herself, like she wasn't a movie goer. So mm-hmm. it was, and she was actually really nice because at the time there was no VCRs. That this is mm-hmm. how old I am, right. children. There was no VCRs, <laughs> no DVDs. So for like to, you could re- to replay your favorite movie. You the only way you could see your favorite movie was if it was coming to um, an art house theater. Right. Mm-hmm. And what are the odds of that? And uh, at the time in Washington, it was really great place for um, revival theaters. There was the Circle Theaters, the American Film Institute Theater, um, and a couple of others. And I have to say, my mother was. Re- ridiculously game for taking me uh, downtown and for quite an expedition it would become to have mm-hmm. to take me to these movies because I couldn't get there myself. And right. uh, she was really game for it. Where my father, um, he he was game for any movie. Like he, And I think I got that from him. Like, I'll see any movie. I don't care. Yeah, I just yeah. love to go to mm-hmm. the movies. Um, but one of the funny things is, is a sort of more of a child of being a divorced parent is that um, one time, I was like about six or seven, and um, my father took me to the movies, and he took me to some movie that was just very inappropriate for someone my age. Yeah. So I, I said, "Dad, I'm bored." And he said, "Well, just go, 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 sit down in the ne- next theater next door uh-huh. and go see what, whatever they're watching." So okay. So that movie turned out to be a movie. It was a horror movie called Grizzly about uh, these campers uh, who get that. mauled to death by a grizzly bear. Because so, that's way more appropriate. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. So to this day, I have this. Re- ridiculous fear of grizzly bears oh, you know oh, like yeah. the odds that i'll ever encounter right. one that's, that's, but like it's, it's very yeah, it's, it's a little very ma- deeply ingrained yeah. in my subconscious it was like when when my parents got divorced um uh, i was like 16 and on weekends or whenever i'd have like dad time um he would take me to the movies but i was a film snob so i made him sit through like the thin red line and, yeah and, that's um, a great movie Eyes Wide Shut, which is a very uncomfortable movie to watch. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So now that you've um, actually had... Well, I, you, well, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, but haven't you had other movies that were option Or I've other books other that were option? I've had other things that have been option, but Nick and Nora have yeah, that's, only been... So has it been kind of like a full circle kind of thing where it's like, yeah, books and movies, I'm into that world. Like, you know, growing up, it's all reflecting. It does, yeah, it feels now. like a nice... I mean... That that anyone should be any of the books should have been made into a movie. It feels the most full circle that it would have been Nick and Nora, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is sort of you know goes directly sure. back to those Library of Congress days when I just kind of wanted to read about Myrna Loy and William uh-huh. Powell and mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Uh, and you mentioned your uh, your book Gingerbread. You have a series, mm-hmm. um, uh, three of them. Is, is yes, that right? Three books. Uh, yeah, I have I have Gingerbread at home. And it, would you? How much of yourself? Uh, is in would you say is in your main character or in in, in any of the sure. characters that you're in that particular that character in particular it's about a, a girl in San Francisco who is struggling with you know home issues parent issues coming of age issues type mm-hmm. of thing but she's very um, outspoken and she's very she has a really great sense of self she really has um, which I definitely did not have at that right, age so right. I often say that that character she's a super cool chick um, <laughs> and I often say she's very much the projection of who I wish I had been sure, in sure, high school yeah. other ones other characters I've written have been closer to me in high school but she's the one who's like the one I wish I had been right 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 that makes uh, complete sense almost like a like I always think about like if I were to go back to high school Knowing what I know now right. and having my experiences now, like I would be the coolest dude ever, yeah, right. Right. or the creepiest dude ever. Hard, hard to say. I'd love to read a young adult novel written by Eric, <laughs> just to, like you know his all like all his teenage fantasies. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that actually I don't that is disturbing to even think about. Like if you see a teenager nowadays, they look like babies because we are. It's it's true. What's your take on teens these days? I mean, teens these days. <laughs> this is the segment that we call teens these days. Uh, I mean, how much do you interact with 
teens these days. I mean, yeah. I see them at events and and uh-huh. and, um, and they they send letters all the time and mm-hmm. and and different comments on different social media. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I just I live in the world. There's teenagers all over the place. Yeah. Sure. And not only that, but I have a very big family. I have a million cousins, so I I see many teenagers. Yeah. They're so not you kind just of like study your cousins yeah, and stuff. And so. uh, rare species. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the main thing. It's not even about watching current teens. I think that I. One of the reasons I became a young adult writer is that for whatever reason, and I think everybody sort of finds their thing, for whatever reason, my thing tends to be that I can very specifically remember what it mean, what it was to be 14 and 15 mm-hmm. and 16. Mm-hmm. I really have very little memory of what it was like to be 24 or 34. Yeah. But that particular sure. well, those age, teen years. Yeah, what would you, what, I can really uh, channel. What do you think about, what, it, what do you think it was about that time in your life that was so, like, vividly ingrained in your mind was uh um yeah i I don't know what it was i i really i wish i did know i wish i had Mm -hmm. the right answer to that Mm because i get asked it a lot the only thing i can really think of is that um i was a latchkey kid Mm -hmm. i mean my parents were divorced and and you don't really see latchkey kids anymore but uh what that meant is that you were uh and from a very early age from like the time i was in like fifth or sixth grade um you had a a chain around your neck that had your house key on it and you Mm -hmm. went directly home after school and you took care of yourself Mm -hmm. until your parent came home um and i was like that from a very and i was an only child Mm -hmm. i mean i have two half sisters but they are much younger than me and we weren't raised together right right. um so i was alone a lot and i so i and i lived so deeply in my imagination because of that Um, and i think that that was all cultivated so much when I was a teenager from being alone a lot. I was introverted anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe that's why. And then once I got went off to college, I just wasn't alone as much and, and I was out in the world. So I wasn't, I think, like kind of taking all these feelings and emotion and emotions and sort of gelatinizing them yeah. into my subconscious because I was kind of living. Yeah, you know, I had a similar experience too where when I was in college, uh, like I would go back home for the holidays and I just remember like specific, this one specific moment where like, huh, I don't think about stuff like I used to. Like I used to like really think about everything and get like really like almost like nostalgic for stuff that, that had just happened or and uh, would like over intellectualize it or everything and like be like, there's amazing experiences in everything. But now I'm just like living and I'm not really right. even paying attention. Right. Plus also that. the internet does all that for you. Yeah, that's true. Right, yeah, right. I don't have to do that anymore. I have an app for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one thing that I was thinking about, um, I, I watched the movie Young Adult recently. Mm-hmm. What do you think about uh, that? Because I mean, I don't think that I've ever seen anything else that's about a young adult author. I loved it. I actually, I went into it kind of with my, you know, sure. hands crossed across my sure. shoulders. Yeah. Like, you know, you're really going to screw this up and you're going <laughs> to make us look like idiots. And um, I really loved it. I, I Because for one thing, she was so, she, she wrote serial books, you yeah. know, that yeah. were, that the kind of books that she wrote were more, uh, the type that were very popular in like the like kind of 1990s, the mm-hmm. uh, Sweet Valley High type of yeah, books. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I didn't feel like it was And she was so, also ghost writing. So yeah, and like... so I didn't feel like it was so much tapping into mm-hmm. something that I would have taken personally, sure. you know, if one little detail yeah. was wrong. But I loved it because it was so unapologetically negative, yeah, right? yeah. you know? And, and really... one of the things... Well, Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. One of the things that drives me crazy is a, is a, as a criticism, especially of female characters, is you know they're too whiny or they're too bitchy, and 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 the same behaviors could happen in a male character, and nobody would have that observation. Mm-hmm. It would be like they're funny, they're grumpy, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> and, and this was just so unapologetically yeah. so. Yeah. Um, I really, I really liked it. Me yeah. too. I think that was what was I so it was special. Really smart. About it. Yeah. yeah. Something that I uh, that I liked about the movie, and I was wondering if you do this too, was where she would. Just just like overhear teens talking and like incorporate what they were saying into her next book. Yeah, or I never do you that. Don't really I think do people that? have this image that I do that, and they, I and the people and it's other such writers, a funny yeah, idea. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, other writers I know have said that they do do that. Mm-hmm. I, I very rarely do that. Yeah. Uh, and this isn't to say that all teens are like this, but um, a lot of teens are idiots. Yeah. And I'm sure <laughs> a lot of adults are idiots. A lot of adults are too. <laughs> and I'm sure your 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 readers are um, not. Not so, not as dumb as uh, yeah, as many they're others. Reading books, for yeah. Them, you know? But this, some of them are so dumb that it's actually kind of fascinating, and it's like unbelievable how you know. And I but think the same it, is true for adults. Same and, is true for and, adults. And, and it Absolutely. Really is, and, and 
I, one of the key cornerstones if you want to write um, books mm-hmm. about young adults specifically for young adults mm-hmm. is not to talk down to them yeah. and not to assume right. that they're dumb or stupid or any of those things because you were dumb and stupid yeah. in the same way at some point in your life um, well, well well what I was thinking is like I mean and because of the internet and things like that you know teenagers don't get to exercise their imagination as much as they used to maybe and you know don't think for themselves as much uh, I, I think that's really a broad stereotype. I don't think really? that's true at all. I I, I meet too many really well, smart. Well, that's something that we try to. Well, that's something. Well, that's something that we don't really know, get to know about because we don't. Eric and I believe it or not, don't interact with teens every day. <laughs> uh, but that's something that I, I'd actually really love to know about is what it's like when you're talking to your audience and you know what you're learning from them. But it's good to. It's really good to hear that you know. Yeah, I'm they, always amazed by how smart and engaged they are, mm-hmm. and. Um, that's just a broad generalization on my mm-hmm. part. I should have very specific examples to give you, and I'm sure I'll think of a million the minute I'm in my car yeah, right. after that. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I very rarely have encountered uh, in, in both, you know, just non-writing ways mm-hmm. and, and yeah. real writing ways. I mean, they're real people, and and just and well, you you know, this show. This is a good example of of mortified where. It's a comedy oh. show, and and they and people go back and and read oh, sure. their high school journals oh, uh, yeah, and make amazing. fun of them, and um, it, it became a huge like comedy thing mm. and and a very popular thing. And I went to see it once, and I was outraged. I was so pissed off. Really, and the reason is because I mean, this is why I write for teens, and and for whatever reason, is that I just thought like when you wrote that at that time, no matter how stupid it was, it was real to you. Yeah, it's those really feelings, important. and if you could like look upon yourself 10 years or 15 year olds 15 years later mocking what you had just done mm-hmm. you would hate who that person became mm-hmm. um and uh, um so it's sort of the same principle it's like I, I i never try to think of 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 an age group especially teenagers because even if they seem dumb they're still having to you for whatever behavior that they're doing for whatever reason there's it's all coming from a very complex emotional place well i know that i mean when i was a teenager and i'm sure that this applies to most people the smallest things that i think that i know now like are just like oh my god i can't believe that it it seemed like the biggest thing in the world that's what's so fun about writing um young adult novels um Mm -hmm. and writing those characters because the smallest things do feel so big Mm -hmm. and so when you can take something so it seems relatively trivial to you now as an adult and then kind of replay it and recast it and from Mm -hmm. a different uh, age perspective it's really fascinating and super fun do you have a uh if you could talk to your teen self, would you have any uh, any words of advice? Like, for instance, for me, my big thing is I always think about is I would tell myself what we just said, that everything's not as big of a deal as right. you think it is. Uh, is there anything like that that you wish you could impart on your teenage I think self? The only thing would be like, don't be alone all the time, uh, you know, yeah. and 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 get out and about a lot more. Yeah, um, and don't don't live so so much inside your head. It's going to pay off later. Yeah, but yeah. Um, there's also a lot of drawbacks that you'll you'll sort of become crippled by. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Did you have like a like a group of friends like in high school that were a lot like you? No. No. <laughs> no. So what were your friend what were your friends like in high school? I didn't really have a lot of friends to be honest. I had friends but I was I was talking about this recently that you know I, I I'm not I'd never stayed in touch with anybody I was in mm-hmm. high school with. Mm-hmm. I skipped a grade. I skipped 11th grade. Really? So I think that um that affected a lot of the friendships too um, mm. because I left one grade and then started and yeah, the old people were like who do you think you are and the new class was like you're not one of us. Um <laughs> And so I just never had really tight friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, they seemed like they were, but they all sort of dissipated the minute I went to college. Yeah. Um, although the people I, who are my friends now are the people I went to college with. Yeah, yeah. Then. Oh, so, true. I mean, I think that I just, I, I think it could be a lot to do with that fact that I did spend so much time alone that I hadn't right. kind of cultivated the skills to be uh, a good friend. Yeah. Where, where did you yeah. go to college? I went to Barnard. Oh, which okay. is part of Columbia in New York City. Of course, very nice. So was that when you had first lived in New York City? Because I know you had yes. been living there a few yes. times. That's cool. Uh, we always like to know um, if, you, if, if our guests had any interesting uh, 
freshman year of college roommate stories. Oh yeah, <laughs> I had a fr- I, yeah, I funny thing is I was a transfer. I had I, because I was only sixteen when I started college. Oh. I went to the University of Maryland for a year so I could live at home. So that meant okay. I had to transfer the next year when I was ready to go off for real. And so because I was a transfer, I got sort of a different housing assignment mm-hmm. than other pe- other kids this, the, who are comparatively the same age as me. So I got sort of a sweeter room, um, and it was in New York City, and I, I had this really sweet double room on a top floor overlooking the Hudson oh, nice. River. Whoa. It was really nice. And it had a, a second bed in it. And... Um, Nobody ever showed up to take that that bed. So I started like about six weeks in. I'm feeling pretty comfortable in there. <laughs> you know, like this is my yeah. room. I got this sweet sure. deal. <laughs> and all of a sudden I come home from class one day and a girl has moved in. Hmm. And, um, How and I, dare she? I know. <laughs> and, and really, I had been expecting someone all along, but I was so um, unbelievably insulted that she had never called ahead just yeah. to say, you know, huh. oh, by the way, I'm, I'm, I, my other, my other room didn't work out. I'm going to move into your room. I'm going to be coming at X Y Z time. It was just like boom, here I am. Right. So that started <laughs> us off on a very bad foot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then she had um, a boyfriend that she didn't want her parents to know about. And she oh. spent the night at her boyfriend's house, and then so she would all, and she also rode crew. Uh, so her, uh-huh. and um, so her parents knew that, and they knew she got up at like five or six in the morning. So they would call at like five oh, or six God, in the morning, and then I was like trying to be like, uh, well, she's a uh, blah 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 blah. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that she did is that she. I think I was, I'm a pretty OCD neatness person then, but I wasn't Uh then. And it really annoyed her that I didn't do certain things. And and Mm -hmm. she really annoyed me because of the crew thing Mm -hmm. and like the ridiculous hours and, um, and trying to hide a boyfriend and whatever. So I loved, as I t- we talked about the go-go music, or the other thing mm-hmm. I loved, I love gospel music. Uh, really? And so there was this station, I can't remember the call letters, but it was all uh, African-American gospel music. It was called the most inspirational station in the nation. <laughs> and um, I used to, the minute she walked in the room, if I could hear her coming, I would switch to that station. Mm. Um, she bothered her so <laughs> wow, much. Wow, just to get under her skin. Yeah. So I will say, I had a roommate for about three or four weeks, and just as she came stealthily, she <gasps> left stealthily. Oh. Oh, and nice. I had a sweet ass double yeah. suite for the rest of the year. Thank you very much. Oh yeah, wow, <laughs> unobstructed view of the Hudson. Diabolical. Yeah. Thanks to the most inspirational station in the nation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, should we get to some questions? Yeah. So something that we like to do is uh, go on go online and look at message boards for teen advice questions. And like we were talking awesome. about before, there's a lot of people who ask things who. You know, they overthink so much where it's just like, so the boy I like said, sup to me, but he didn't say, hey, what does that mean? (laughs) And it's just like, I can't believe, like, did did I think like this before? And it's kind of crazy. So um, Uh, I picked a few questions. And we don't have to seriously answer them because I don't think these people are listening. Yeah, no, this Uh, this show sparks any any sort of thought in her memory. Feel free to share it. Okay. Uh, good songs to listen to before date thing. Okay, I'm basically going on a double date tonight. Ha 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 ha, sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what are some good upbeat songs I could listen to before? Thanks, girlies. Oh, no, I thought that this would be a good one for you because you're definitely into music. Sure. Yeah, and, and this is such an easy answer, and I think I've already answered it a million times throughout our little talk, and that's just put on some prints, going to put yeah. you in the right mood, oh, yeah. going to put you in mm-hmm. a little bit of a naughty mood, a little bit of frisky oh. mood, but also She's only 13, mood. so... That's... I mean, she'll... she'll it's all right. Maybe she, she won't get all of the... Yeah. <laughs> she might not want to listen to the B-sides, but... <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I would go for. Oh, Prince is a great one. John, do you have any songs that you use to psych yourself up? To psych myself up? Maybe, I mean, you know, not, not even necessarily to go on a date, but anything like puts me in a great mood. Um, I'm walking on sunshine. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. Are you allowed to say curse words here? Sure. Yeah, the yeah. one song, I, could, I can be in the most foul, hellacious, mean mood that just nobody can get me out of. And if you just put the song Uncle Fucker on, oh, I will snap yeah. right out of it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like hard to think of anything else yeah. when, that's, when that's on. That's it never great. fails. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have one. I usually tend to I'm listen to... I'm you putting on like Danzig or... Yeah, <laughs> I usually tend to listen to music that matches my mood uh-huh. rather than like to get out of a mood. So if I'm depressed, I'll like listen to the most depressing thing. Like I'll like put on Elliot Smith or something. Sure. Um, 
but uh, I guess uh, Jordy's It's So Hard to Be a Baby is always... <laughs> Do you remember that song? A song written by a two-year-old, sang by a two-year-old. It's French, sang a by French, a two-year-old. A French two-year-old. Uh, have you guys seen or heard of Lil Peanut? <laughs> yeah. You know Lil Peanut? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that the, the world really found out about Lil Peanut who started rapping when he was four, but is now like, I don't know, seven or something, uh, <laughs> when he was on the Ellen show. And he is amazing. I highly recommend that everybody listen to Ooh, his peanut. music. He has a great video for a song called uh, You Could Be The One For Me, and it's amazing. Oh. And the video, and he's, this tiny, and he's yeah. this tiny little kid. And Oh, and he has one song. I was curious the other day to see what he's been up to. And he has this one song that has... <laughs> The, the video, it's not even a video. It's just a slideshow of like him sitting in a pool covered in money. And he's like, you know. <laughs> nice. Tiny. Great message. Um, but then <laughs> yeah. the end of the song is essentially his entire interview with Ellen DeGeneres. It's like with the beat underneath and it's just like their conversation. Did I ever tell you when I got my hair cut um, from this woman who looked like she was probably 35 but had a grandson who she was trying to pitch to me because she found out I work in TV. She's like, all right, my grandson, he's four years old, but I want him to, I want him to star in a series of PSAs that, te- that tell kids that it's not good to be materialistic in rap songs. <laughs> oh, that's so specific. It's not that like, so I specific. think he'd be great on CSI. Yes, he's, he'd be great in commercials. He'd be very that bad. That's really... And I was like, wow, okay, well... Good and luck. He's, he's standing somewhere like, Grandma, don't marginalize me like that. I got, I'm bigger. I got bigger dreams. <laughs> All right. Uh, here is a, another question that's uh, tailored specifically to, to you. Uh, in need of a book, anyone have a favorite book that doesn't involve love stories of magical spiritual stuff? Any, any favorite books with action and suspense? Action and oh, Suspense. Action suspense. Uh, well, I would highly recommend Libba Bray's books. She wrote the Diviners series. Oh. The first book just came out. And then another se- uh, series called A Great and Terrible Beauty. There is some love and romance and fantastical mm. stuff in it. Mm-hmm. But it's also just exceptional uh, writing and world building. Hmm. And really cool characters. And it's historical fiction. And make you read it be like, I wish I had lived in this repressed uh-huh. era. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm always looking for. Uh, when I'm reading a book, I, I feel like I've never. I feel like I've been reading the Game of Thrones books for the past forever. So that's the only thing I can think of right now because I've been like you know they're each a thousand pages and there's five of them. Uh, but geez, good book recommendations, yeah, John. Do you have one? Um, well, for action and suspense. Oh, also, I would not recommend that for a teenager either. Those yeah. are very violent and very full of. Fantasy. Well, actually, I can think of. of something with great action and suspense and Rachel you might uh, know what I'm talking about because so um, I actually I I met Rachel because of my brother Scott I've talked about him on the show before he does Scott's pizza tours in New York Um, you know about Scott's obsession with the Nick Carter books I actually have one right here (laughs) that I picked up do you think a teenager would like them I think a teenager would definitely like this they're they're not very long the pop star this, these have been around for over 100 years. Wait, am I thinking of somebody else? Is Ed, there is I'm a Nick Carter. Aaron. Oh, there is a Nick Carter. Well, yeah, okay. Aaron Carter's brother. Okay, there you um, go. <laughs> so these are all ghostwritten. They're just say, uh, they're about this American spy, Amer- like is a James Bond type, but it's oh. been around way longer, named Nick Carter. And uh, there's a little bit of um, risque uh, oh. <laughs> literature in there. There's some well, saucy I say, dames. I, I will answer that question uh, as a teenage, as Rachel is a teenager, uh-huh. and that is that you cannot go wrong with anything by Jackie Collins or Sidney Sheldon. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen those names in the part of the bookstore that I'm uncomfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this one that I'm holding in my hand right now is called The Devil's Cockpit. And it's in the black depths of Budapest, Killmaster, which is Nick, Nick Carter's, um, I don't know, code name. Uh-huh. Killmaster infiltrates a pornographic propaganda mill pledged to pervert the Western world. So you know what would be great? So, if somebody like reimagined those books for modern times oh, yeah. and made it Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, right? <laughs> Imagine him as a... I'd read Seriously? those books. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, my brother has like a library of that these. that way. I know. Uh, and they're and I've read a them. bunch of them and they're amazing. I got him one because they started off as like a weekly digest of books um, in like the late 1800s and... I think like um, eighteen like ninety five is when they started, 
And I got him one from like 1905. Your brother is the best reader. I think your brother has read my books better than most. Really? Like uh, my family has. Like he, if I ever like wonder what happened to a character, I can just call up Scott. Like, by the way, in book three of. Yeah. You know, he's so awesome. <laughs> he is ridiculous, but we love him. Everybody, if you're in New, if you're in New York, go on Scott's Pizza Tours. Uh, Rachel, do you want to read this one over at the, at the top? I've seen weird couples at school and I want my crush to notice me, but what do I do? Oh. Hmm. Huh. This is a pretty classic, pretty classic team. Cleavage question. is usually the way to well, go. There, is that, is that just the title or is there more? Oh, sorry, yeah, there's beneath, more. Yeah. Well, I'm 14, right? And at school, I've seen no offense to anyone but uglier girls with boyfriends, <laughs> and I don't have one. I never had a boyfriend either because I'm always too shy to say anything to them. So what do I do? First of all, I'm going to suggest an attitude adjustment. <laughs> Definitely. Of, of, you know, if you maybe those other girls with boyfriends is not because they're uglier than you, but maybe they're nicer. Yeah. Yeah, good call. Actually. I know that if I if I heard a girl talking like this, I'd be like, no, thank you. Yeah. Because yeah. I, of course, had the option. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, an attitude adjustment is indeed in order. Uh, maybe, they, maybe they have qualities that you don't have, like they're personable, or maybe they're really talented. Or a good way. listener. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, cleavage. That's, that, yeah, I would say, <laughs> yeah, step A, cleavage. Step two is uh, learn to like yourself enough that you project somebody that somebody would want to go out with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent advice, actually. And I, how many, you, you've come out with a lot of books, right? Like, yes. How it many? It is my 12th. 12th. Uh, but none of them have really, have any of them been like really like high school drama kind of stuff? No, and no. one of the reasons I never do that is that I just feel like I hated being in high school myself. Mm-hmm. I, I hated it so much I skipped a year yeah. that I feel like, you know, there, and there's so it's, many other good writers who are kind of mining sure. that territory. Yeah. It's just not, not doesn't interest me. It's what, what happens when you're not in school that interests me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you say that you have a particular specialty in terms of the, uh, the age group or anything that you write about? Um, no, I, I think that, I mean, what I'm drawn to as a writer tends mm. to be sort of ages, you know, uh, late high school, early mm-hmm. college age, and that, that when when amazing things are starting to happen, but you're, you're not always responsible for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how things can go. You, mm. you can't control it as much as you can later yeah, in life. Sure, yeah. Um, and just the kind of wild roller coaster of emotions that happen as you experience, you know, big adult things for the first time. Yeah. Um, like a first love or first job or first time moving away from home. Um, the, the period when you start to really try to push your parents away a little bit mm-hmm. um, because all of a sudden they seem very human. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just it's a painful stage. I think it's something that everybody has to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but just you start to look at the world so differently. And the amazing thing is be- the, between the ages of like 14 and 18, each of those particular ages, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, are so different than the mm-hmm. one before. And think right. of yourselves now at like 27, 28, 29, whatever. Yeah. It's not that different each year, yeah, you know, of who you are as together. a person. You're pretty right. fully formed. But who you are at age 14, you know, at, when you're like a teenage girl who was all into Hannah Montana and who uh-huh. she is at age 18 completely is different. completely right. different. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, a, a reason why we do this show is just because teenagers are really interesting. Yeah. Because they're, you know... Always they, reinventing. And, yeah, always yeah. changing, yeah. always changing. Um, yeah, certainly. The, the, uh, the, me going into freshman year of high school where I was wearing FUBU, and then me coming out of high school where I had... I was You're wearing, burning like, FUBU. <laughs> I had, like, facial piercings and was listening to hardcore. It was completely different. Right. And that will never happen again in your life. No. That you'll have such a radical change of who you are yeah. in four years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I went into high school wearing Van Halen t-shirts. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. I am still wearing Van Halen John's t-shirts. been the same since he was in high school, pretty much. Um, I'm just able to grow a mustache properly now. <laughs> That's the main difference. Uh, is he out of my league? Hey, so there's this really, really good-looking guy that I like, but I'm afraid I'm not attractive enough for him and that he will never like me. Not to brag, but I'm probably in the top 30 most attractive girls in my grade. That took a turn. Uh, but what if he wants someone who's like the prettiest girl ever? Please help. What should I do? Man, I think your your advice of just learn to be the best person you can be and the person who, who would, somebody would want to be with. Not somebody who would rank themselves. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's the same attitude adjustment yeah. answer. Yeah, but this, I mean, that's a, 
uh, like a teen that. issue that go it's like as old as time is just like always thinking that there's people better than you and wondering yeah. what's wrong it's with really you. extraordinary at that age and especially with girls the, the ranking mm-hmm. yes. of, of of values according to looks mm-hmm. um is is really quite sh- i try not to write that stuff i, I don't yeah. i don't really it, it makes me uncomfortable yeah, sure. but well, i remember being yeah. that age and feeling that way absolutely well that's something that's actually cool about beta is that it is about a 16 year old girl but not really you know it's, right. n- it's some it's somebody who doesn't go through all those issues right. but you know still 16 year old girl i would like to see her criterion her or like her criteria for the prettiest girl i have to see her chart. you know what this yeah. is a spreadsheet did somewhere. you guys see the movie this is 40 yeah yeah no, i actually didn't uh well there's uh, a part where the kids in high school or middle school or whatever have a a rank of like the hot girls and like the ugly girls or whatever yeah, yeah so i remember that definitely happened when i was in high school mm-hmm. i don't think that people I got like too upset over yeah. it because it was such like a stupid thing. But right. did Eric? Did you have anything like that? No, when you were... nothing I remember. Um, That's because he was on the not. List. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> I don't think I made anybody's list in high school. Yeah, I don't think in high school I didn't, but in middle school, and this was when it was uh-huh. so much worse because middle school is so much harder than high school. Um, but the boys in my class, I went to a small private school for the seventh and eighth grade, and they ranked the girls according to boob size. Oh. What? And yeah, and I was number two, which would make you think that I would feel like pretty <laughs> big about that, so to speak. But in fact, I was super uncomfortable yeah. with my body, and that was uh-huh. actually like a shameful thing to me. Yeah, um, I do remember. I do remember a lot of girls getting really bummed out when they started to grow boobs. And and like I was always I was always like the best friend of every girl. <laughs> and so like I always want to be like, no, it's great. Everybody loves it. <laughs> but now knowing that it's like, oh, it's because everybody's giving you attention for this, and you're right. like super. You know, other girls are shaming you because of it. And, uh, ugly times, guys. Such a, a weird, hard, time. awkward time. Yeah, such yeah. an awkward time for for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. Either that, or you just smell really weird. Yeah. <laughs> there's always I a do, reason. There's I, always a reason for somebody to think that you're disgusting yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do remember like in seventh grade uh there was a point a point in time where i'm like i smell really weird what's going on and i like <laughs> freaked out i would like put way too much deodorant on because i got so self-conscious and then then like the next year it was gone but there's that one stinky period yeah <laughs> bodies man they'd be crazy yeah, bodies man uh your chariot awaits milady from <laughs> alternatives this is actually what they wrote that wasn't me being an idiot uh my group wants to do something different for prom this year rather than the traditional limo transport any uh, ideas oh. i like this question yeah i like it uh, uh you get one of those tandem bikes oh yeah That'd be i wonder how many people are in their the group dress. <laughs> um if you have a little bit of extra money lying around, you could do like Richard Branson's uh, rocket ship to space kind of thing. Yeah, go up into space and then <laughs> land at the prom. Yeah, exactly. Or, or the guy. Sorry, we're late. We were in space. You know what would really make a big splash, so to speak? Cannonball. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, like being could, launched out of a yeah, cannonball? Yeah, launch yeah, yourself yeah. from a cannonball. I like it. <laughs> Everyone will remember you at prom. That's for sure. <laughs> Did... Did you go to your prom? I did not. Yeah, you did. But also, like, skipping a grade and all that stuff. That's that's tricky. Eric, um, we talked a little bit about your prom. Did you show up in a regular limo? Yeah. No, not even a limo. I just borrowed my mom's car. She was a limo driver. We didn't have... (laughs) (laughs) She was was, uh, Argyle from Die Hard. (laughs) Is that his name, Argyle? Yep. I'm wearing a Die Hard shirt right now. Oh, yeah, you are. I was wondering if you were... (laughs) Referencing that, um, <laughs> she was archive. That's pretty great. Uh, yeah, I think that when I was a, a junior in high school, like we got one of those like stupid Escalade limos, oh, and God, it was so. Th- I wasn't in charge of yeah, of that yeah, at yeah. all, but it was pretty awful. I don't know, but I like the idea of like you know kids thinking a little bit outside yeah. the box. I did once ride on a party bus. For my bachelor party, that <laughs> I know and, the answer. Hire Scott's pizza tour bus. Yeah, thank you. If Bring pizzas to everybody. They're in Cleveland, like, but um, I'm sure he can customize a commute. tour for them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd just, be a great a quick nine hours away. You can, yeah. You can yeah, that would be a great pre-prom activity. No one will forget them. You bring going, pizza. Going on a little pizza tour. Yeah, <laughs> we brought the pizza. <laughs> you know, quite honestly, that'll help absorb all the alcohol you shouldn't be drinking. That you're Ooh, drinking. Yeah. True. Uh, and you'll be too uh, full and disgusted with yourself from eating so much pizza that you won't get in, into any post-prom shenanigans. Yes, yeah, exactly. you will make much better choices yes. as a result of that. Pizza will, pizza oh, will save you. We should just start, fe- instead of like 
pushing uh, or like trying to convince teens that they should be abstinent, we should just give them burritos to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, you don't want to do anything. It'll be like a Chipotle bar yes. at each prom. That's a really good idea because it's delicious, but also because of that reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, Rachel, what a great time. This has been Thank a, you. It's so a really much good fun. Time. What a great time this has been. And uh, any way for people to contact you online or, or uh, follow you on Twitter? www.rachelcone.com. So awesome. do you, are you uh, currently working on the next the next I am. Book? I'm, it's, uh, beta is the first in a four-book series. So oh, I'm, um, beta version 2.0? Sort of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, but that's cool, yeah. So I, I actually... I found uh, Beta at like Target, and I know you're in all the big bookstores. Are you in any of like the more independent bookstores? Um, it's really up to each bookstore, but mm-hmm. yeah, generally um, you will find mm-hmm. them there. I mean, to get into I, Target is actually harder than, than to get into really? a small independent bookstore. Oh, that's cool. Um, I, have a, I have a question. Um, is it better for you to sell a physical copy or an ebook? Do you, does it ma- does it matter either way? All of that stuff is so confusing. I mean, I think. Young adult novels are priced at a lower price point as hardcovers than mm-hmm. a, a, an adult book, so um, huh. it's not as it's it's the the gap between what would earn out on on an ebook and a and a the, traditionally the most profitable books being a hardcover book mm-hmm. um, is not as big. But that being said, I don't really understand math and all of that stuff. I'm like, la, 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 la. I don't really understand all okay. of it. So okay. I, I, I shouldn't give an answer. Like, Because my a, a big problem with me is that I sound confident and like I know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And then people <laughs> assume that I do and it turns out I was completely wrong. Right, right, so right. I'm, not, I'm just going to say, I don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is all of your stuff available in ebook? Um, Almost all of it. Almost yeah. all of it. So yeah. buy it however you want, guys. Yeah. I, I'm going to when I get home. Yeah, you better. There'll finish. be a quiz. Yeah. Ooh. Did you just to see, just on page fifteen to see if you got past yeah, yeah, where right. John is? And then, I got into the and then on page sixteen, there's a coupon for more right. Crystal Head vodka. <laughs> um, and you can follow me at the Eric Goslin. Oh, I also want to quickly I plug. I have another podcast that uh, we do with uh, the old producer of Stranger Fan Fiction. Jim, uh, it's called Jeans and Sports. It's very specific. <laughs> it's, it's me. Uh, we, I, uh, Jim teaches me about sports, which is something I don't really know much about, but would like to know more about. And I teach Jim about uh, men's fashion, which is it's something a good he show. doesn't really know about. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's fun. If you're into either of those things, or if you just want to hear a couple of knuckleheads goofing around, then give it a listen. <laughs> yeah, uh, follow us at Hey Teens Podcast. Uh, if you if you aren't already, which you probably aren't, because there aren't yeah, that many of you, does for some reason. Um, but yeah, and and Rachel, this is coming out on the thirtieth. Uh, you're January? gonna yeah, so you're okay. gonna be in a couple places. To talk oh about yes, books, so. I will be in Bethesda, Maryland, where I, from whence I came. Right, uh, mm-hmm. homecoming. Yes, homecoming uh, on January thirty first, and I will be at uh, Coral Gables Bookstore. God, I can't remember. There's a wonderful bookstore. Uh, anyway, it's all on my website, www.rachelcohen.com. Uh, okay, Very cool. Do you do uh, book tours with all your books? Uh, no. It, it's kind it, of some of the them. Publisher. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of up to the publisher. There's a lot of different variables involved. Nice. And I, I hope that you've been getting a good response to, to this latest one because – First ten pages. First ten pages. Top notch. Yep. Top notch. That's definitely been the, the, the general review. First ten pages <laughs> yes. rocked. Um, and then mostly the, the what I get is because it ends on quite a cliffhanger. So uh. if people meet me right after they've they've finished the book, they usually throw their hands out to throttle my neck. <laughs> um, well, I can't wait to get to that point. Yeah. In the book. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for for coming it was a on. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. All right. Goodbye, teens. Goodbye, teens. Goodbye, teens. Thank you.